This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Morning, New Life. How are we doing today? Yeah, you guys are the overachievers. I like you. You set your clocks ahead. You made sure it happened. You looked at your smartphone, and church was just that good. You couldn't miss it. So you're going to get me fresh. I promise this will be the best sermon I give all day. I will, I, I will only do worse for your sake from here on out. That's my guarantee to you. Uh, if we haven't met yet, my name is Kevin, and I'm going to guide us through the rest of our morning together. I'm so glad you're here. If you are a guest, an extra special welcome to you. Man, what a gift to have you joining us this morning. It is so exciting. Uh, we are in this series. It's week two of a series that we're calling Take This Job and Love It. We're going to take this job and love it. And here's why we're doing the series. As adults, half of our waking lives are spent working. And if God is good and we believe that he is, then he wants that half of our waking lives to be good, to be a life of fulfillment, to be a life of joy. And last week we talked about the reality that God is a creative God and that God created us in his image. And when God created us in his image, he created us to work. And part of that work was he created us to be creators, to make things better, to engage fully with the work that we do and take it from one level to a better level. And it doesn't matter what your job is. He wants you to make it better. The other thing that God does is God is a caring God. God is a loving God, and he wants us to care for people that we work for. And if we can learn how to be creative in our jobs, if we can learn how to care for people and figure out who God wants us to care for, we will find fulfillment in our work. And today we're going to talk about stress. Because I got to tell you, as I have been learning more and more from God about what it means to be creative in my work, what it means to care for each of you individually, I've never felt more fulfilled in what I do. But even though I feel completely fulfilled in what I do, there are days where I am so stressed out. So I got to ask, is there anybody in here like me? Uh, You are not a procrastinator. You do not like to wait till the end. Anybody who doesn't like to wait till the end? Yeah, raise those hands high. You're you're, You're good people. You're my people. I like that. How about procrastinators? Man, are you guys in the room? Oh, you stress me out. You, got, you do. You, you stress me out. You raise my anxiety level in just such a horrible way. It, it tears me up inside. I, I'm not a procrastinator. I don't think I ever pulled an all-nighter in college. I don't think I ever wrote a paper the day before it was due. It was always done the week before it was due. We call me a perfect child. That's what you call that. Um, I, I, never, I never studied until 2 or 3 in the morning. I dated a girl like that in college, and man, it was a deal breaker. She just stressed me out. She wasn't a late night studier, freaked me out all the time. I do not like to wait. And so um, that's carried into my ministry. When I write sermons, I write them three weeks in advance. So the sermon that you heard last week, I had written three weeks ago because it stresses me out to wait until the last minute to write the sermon. And the week of is the last minute. I have friends who write sermons on Saturday night for Sunday morning. Those guys freak me out. They really do. I'm pretty sure they listen to my podcast and then they just repeat it. No, no, I'm I'm not that good. I'm not that good. But I woke up on Monday morning of this past week, and for a number of reasons, I had not written a sermon for this Sunday. And here's how this played out. It was about 7.30 in the morning, and the kids came and they ran into bed, and Maria was reading them a story, and I could hear her voice kind of off in the distance, but I didn't really know what she was saying, and I could tell that the kids were in bed with me, but I wasn't 
really aware that they were doing anything because all I could think about was, oh my gosh, I have to preach this Sunday. I have no sermon written. I have no idea what I'm going to say. And my mind was a million miles away from my family. And so I got to the office, and here's what I did. I took every feeling that I was having, every anxious thought that I had, every disconnected feeling I had from my family, and I said, okay, God, what do I do with these feelings? What do I do when I feel disconnected from my family because of stress, because my mind's a million miles away? What am I supposed to do with this? And then I wrote a sermon based on that. So if you've ever felt stressed out, this sermon is for you. And I'm not just talking about work, although we will be talking specifically about that, but life is full of stress. Uh, in, a, in a room this size, some of us are about to have babies. Stressful. Uh, some of us are, are trying to get pregnant and can't. Stressful. Some of us are losing loved ones right now. Stressful. Uh, I talked to my grandmother on the phone, and uh, she's been retired for like 25 years. And I said, Nani, how are you doing today? She said, I'm doing good. You know, we're keeping busy. I said, well, what are you doing? She's like, we just, we go from doctor's appointment to doctor's appointment. <laughs> they try to keep us alive. That's what my grandmother said to me. Health is, is stressful. Uh, kids, husband, wife, marriage, friendship, lack of time in the day, stressful. And work is no exception. Work is it's stressful. It's stressful. You know you're stressed if, okay, and just think to yourself, no elbowing, okay, this is for you. No elbowing the person next to you. You, think you're, you know you're stressed if you can't sleep at night because you lay down and all you can do is think about the stuff you didn't get done that day. You're probably stressed out. Uh, You know you're stressed if you wake up in the morning and the first thing you think about is what you have to get done that day. Probably stressed out. Uh, You know you're stressed out if, like me, your family is around you, and even though they're present, you can see them, you know that there's actually someone standing in front of you talking to you, you have no idea what they're saying because your mind is a million miles away. You're probably stressed out. You know you're stressed out if Uh, you get home at the end of the day and your spouse starts to talk to you about what's going on in their day and they need to problem solve, they need to troubleshoot, and you have no emotional energy left. And you say something like, honey, I'm just exhausted from work. Can we talk about this tomorrow? Can we talk about this later? You're probably stressed out. And when we get stressed out, we have a few ways that we like to deal with it as a general rule. One is we just work harder. When the going gets tough, the tough get going. Yeah. If you're a type A person, a driven person, and work gets stressful, what do you do? You just work harder. You work longer. You try harder. Uh, you, you say, you know what, honey, this deadline will be done in two weeks, and then I will re-engage with the family. But for two weeks, I'm sorry, I'm out. Honey, you know what? Uh, in uh, three weeks, my finals will be over and then we can have life again. But for the next couple of weeks, I'm just going to stress out and study. Or if you're a procrastinator, hey, you've got me until about a week before or a day before, and then I'm going to be dead. Just talk to me afterwards. See, we assume, this is what we assume. And by the way, you've got teaching notes in there. You're probably going to want to pull those out. And you have a Connect card. You're probably going to want to get that too. We assume, and you wouldn't say this, but I believe you think it, our lives will calm down at some point. And when our lives calm down, our stress will go away. Right? Our lives will calm down at some point. They they have to. And when they calm down, our stress will go away. I spent six years working at Sonoma State, and I saw a phenomenon happen at Sonoma State. Twice a year, everybody would freak out. It was called finals week. 
And they would, they would get so anxious and so stressed out. And on Tuesday and Wednesday, you'd see the students who were done with their finals because they looked happy because Christmas was coming or summer was coming, and they had this relieved look. Uh, but you could tell the ones that weren't. They were buried with their noses in a book. They had this horrible, terrified look on their face, like, I don't know if I'm going to pass. What do I do? Oh my gosh, the world is going to end. And then on Friday of that week, the whole campus let out a collective sigh, and it was just like, oh, thank goodness, it's over. And that lasted for about a month. And then they got back to school, they got their syllabus, and guess what? Three and a half months later, they were in finals again. See, here's the problem with stress. When one stressful situation ends, another stressful situation usually begins. If it's not school, it's a job. If it's not stress about getting married, it's a stress about being married. Uh, If it's not kids or family, it's lack of kids or family or work or retirement or money. And so what do we do? Well, the best we can do is manage our stress. That's all we can hope to do is just kind of manage it. But there are some problems with stress, and the first problem is this. And I just told you about it a little bit. The first problem that we have with our stress is that stress continues to come. When one piece of stress ends, another piece of stress begins. And so we try to manage How can I keep the stress from overwhelming me? Maybe some of you meditate. Some of you go for massages or pedicures or manicures. That's what I like to do when I get stressed out, pedicures and manicures. No, I don't do that. Uh, You know, maybe you rub your ears. I breathe deeply. I don't know what you do, but we all have ways that we try to manage our stress. But it just keeps on piling up. And the second problem with stress is that stress leaks. Stress is primarily internal. It's something that happens inside of us, but the problem with stress is it leaks out onto people around us, usually those closest to us, usually our family, our close friends, the people we we love the most. Here's how you know if your stress is leaking. Your stress is leaking if you snap at your family all the time. Your stress is probably leaking out on them. I've shared stats before in money sermons that the number one cause of divorce is money issues, and that's actually not true. The number one cause of divorce is fights caused by stress related to money issues. See, when money stress builds up, it leaks out and it causes fights, which causes discord, which causes divorce. If you're disconnected emotionally from your family, it could be that your stress is leaking onto them. If you're disconnected physically, if you're just plain old not around because the job has you working 60 hours a week, 70 hours a week, It could be that stress is leaking onto them. And here's why you work. Here's why I work. We work because we want to create a space for our family, right? We work because we want to have the financial resources to be able to provide some sort of lifestyle, relationship style for our family so our family can grow together and bond together and have this incredibly deep, intimate relationship with each other. We work so that we can provide our kids with a better life than we had. But the problem is when we stress out and our stress leaks on our family, we're undermining the very thing that we work for. We work for our family, but our stress is tearing our family apart. We work to give our kids a better life, but all our kids want is a happy mom or a happy dad. And the best we can do is manage it. The best we can hope to do is say, I just, I hope I can plug enough of the leaks in me so that my stress does not leak out on you too bad. And so we schedule things and we put together calendars and we 
we breathe deeply and we take walks and we try to calm ourselves down and we try to turn off the records in our head of all the things we have to get done when we get home. We try to manage our stress. But God is in the business of stress elimination. God does not want to just manage your stress. God doesn't want you to just manage your stress. God wants to actually eliminate your stress. And that's a great thing. God promises that he can. He'll never eliminate stressful situations until we get to heaven with him. But he can and he will eliminate stress in our lives if we let him. And so I want to explore the idea of stress elimination by looking at the lives of four guys in the Old Testament who had maybe the most stressful job in the history of the ancient world. And these guys were four friends, and when they were in their early teens, uh, they were Jewish men, and the Jewish people were conquered by the Babylonians. The Babylonians were this rising superpower, and they would go to nations, and they would militarily conquer them. And here's what they would do. They would go in, they would conquer the army, they would take over, and they would grab all of the young teenagers, and they would take them back to Babylon, where their headquarters were, and they would basically indoctrinate them, brainwash them into Babylonian culture. And then they'd send them back out into the Babylonian world as good Babylonian citizens. And this is what happened to these young teenage boys. They got ripped from their families. They would never see them again. They got taken back to Babylon. They got trained in Babylonian culture and art and literature. And over time, they, they rose to the top. They became kind of the, the cream of the crop. And what the king would do is he would take these men who had become the cream of the crop and he would put them in high positions. So these four guys became advisors to the king. And if you think that's a good job, it had its perks. It really did. Being an advisor for the king had some good things. But here's one big downside about being an advisor for the king. If you did not do a good job at your job, you didn't get fired. You got murdered. So good benefits package— But if you didn't do your job well, you didn't need your benefits anymore. All done. And this is what happens. These guys, Daniel and his three friends, they become advisors for the king. They weren't the only advisors. There was a whole group of them. In fact, we're going to get into a story, and Daniel and his friends aren't even there right now. They're somewhere else when this king has this interaction with his advisors. But because they're advisors, they are in a very, very stressful situation. Here's how the story plays out. It's in Daniel chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 1. It's the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, who's the king of Babylon, and he had these dreams. And, And his mind was troubled by these dreams, and he could not sleep. And so the king summoned the magicians, the enchanters, the sorcerers, the astrologers, these wise men, to tell him what he had dreamed. And when they came in, they stood before the king, and he said to them, I've had a dream, and it troubles me, and I want to know what it means. So this king, Nebuchadnezzar, has risen to power. He's conquered all these people. He does it by force. And when you you rise to power by force, uh, you're always wondering, when's the other shoe going to drop? And so he has these dreams. And in the ancient world, whenever uh, you had dreams, it was assumed that one of the gods was trying to speak to you. And we know from history that in Nebuchadnezzar's life at this time, he was having some military troubles. So we assume that these dreams might have been about military things. And it's so troubling. He has a couple of them. They're so troubling, he can't sleep anymore. This is a stressful situation because if these dreams come to pass, he could lose everything. And so he does what a lot of bad bosses do. He does what your bad boss might do. He says, I am incredibly stressed out by these dreams. So instead of working on it with you, you fix it. 
You ever have that? You ever have a boss that says, you know what? This deadline's coming. It's killing me. So here, you take it. You fix it. I'm going golfing. I'll be back next week. That's what he does. He calls his advisors. He says, tell me my dreams. And the astrologers answered the king. In verse 4, may the king live forever. Tell your servants the dream and we will interpret it for you. The king replied to the astrologers, this is what I have firmly decided. If you do not tell me what my dream was and interpret it, I will have you cut into pieces and your house turned into piles of rubble. Remember, he's a warrior king. He's a conquering king. And like most conquering rulers, he's afraid that someone's going to rise up against him. He's afraid it's going to come from inside. Hitler had the same situation. He was always sure that his advisors were going to take over, that they were going to, they were going to drop the hammer. They were going to try to kill him. And oftentimes they did. And this is what the king is afraid of. He's afraid that if he tells his advisors the dream, they're going to make something up because they want to overthrow. So he says, I have an idea. You tell me my dream and you interpret it. And here's the deal. If you don't do it, I'm going to cut you into little pieces and burn down your houses. That's stressful. That's a little stressful. (laughs) But here's the perks of it. He says, hey, listen, I'm a good guy. If you tell me my dream and explain it, you will receive gifts and rewards and great honor. So go ahead and tell me the dream and interpret it. And for the next seven or eight verses, they go back and forth. These wise men say, we cannot do it. Listen, no one can do it. No one can do what you're asking me. You ever said that to your boss or thought it? Man, no one can do what you want me to do. No one can do what you're expecting of me. You just took your stress and you're the king and you put it on to me and you gave me this deadline that's not reasonable and you gave me expectations that I cannot meet. And they go back and forth, back and forth. And the king gets so furious, he says, all right, game over. I'm going to execute all of the wise men. Not just you in the room. I'm going to execute all of my wise men and start over. And word gets to Daniel that the king has put out this issue to execute all the wise men, including him, including his friends. Now, Daniel has something we found out about in chapter 1. Daniel has the ability to interpret dreams. So now we get to an interesting situation. Daniel's in this company. Uh, everybody's looking to him. He's the only one who can solve the problem. And if he doesn't do it, it's not downsizing. It's not a closing of the company. If he does not get it right, everybody dies. That's a stressful situation. Some of you run your own companies, and if you make mistakes, people get laid off. It's a stressful situation. Some of you have families, and if you make mistakes and lose your job, your family might not have the money they need to pay rent, pay a mortgage, get food. That's a stressful situation. In Daniel's situation, if he didn't come up with the right dream and the right interpretation, everyone would be cut into little pieces. It's a stressful situation. In verse 14, the commander of the king's guard went out to put to death all the wise men of Babylon, and Daniel Daniel spoke to him with wisdom intact. He asked the king's officer, why did the king issue such a harsh decree? And the advisor, Arioch, explained the matter to Daniel. And at this, Daniel went to the king and he asked for time so that he might interpret the dream. Verse 17, then Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. He urged them to plead for mercy from God concerning the mystery so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. During the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision Then Daniel praised the God of heaven. 
So we got a one-night deadline. We got a dream, and he has no idea what the dream is. We got an interpretation he has to figure out. Figure out the dream, figure out the interpretation. And Daniel does two things in that situation that might seem counterintuitive to us, but really help us eliminate stress in our lives. The first thing Daniel does is when he gets stressed out, when his stress hits an all-time high, he does not isolate himself. Remember, we talked about the fact that stress is primarily an internal thing. It happens inside of us. Because it's an internal thing, oftentimes we keep it inside. You come home, you're stressed out, and your spouse says to you, honey, what's wrong? I can tell something's wrong. And you say, you know what? You wouldn't understand. You don't know what I'm up against. You can't help me with this one. And we close off and we pull back. And all people get, they don't get to help us. All they get is the stress that leaks out from us. But Daniel does something different. He does the opposite. He actually gathers his friends together. He gathers advisors together. And he says, I need some help. One of the ways that we can combat stress in our lives is to gather together wise people to walk with us through life. I want to ask you a question. Who do you go to when you get stressed out? Because we all have stress. Who do you go to? Parents, when you come up against a parenting roadblock, when your kids do something and you just cannot, you can't figure it out, you can't change it, you're at your wit's end, who do you go to? If you don't know the answer to that question, all you can do is sit at home and be stressed out. When work gets tough, who do you go to? Do you have a colleague? Do you have someone at work that you can share ideas with, that you can brainstorm with? Do you have someone outside of your job that knows the business that you can talk to? Who do you go to when you get stressed out? Because I can tell you this, if you don't go to anyone, if you just keep it inside, the best you can hope to do is manage it. But Daniel does something different. He calls other wise men together so that they can deal with it together. The Bible says there's wisdom in a multitude of counselors and a multitude of people coming together. But our natural inclination is to draw back instead of go out, seek out, find someone to help. And that's what Daniel does. He finds someone to help. So who do you have around you? Write their name down. And if you don't have anybody, you need to look for somebody. The second thing Daniel does when stress hits an all-time high, I don't even know if I, you're going to get mad at me. He prays. And I know that sounds like a preacher thing to say. Pray about it. Pray about it. And you're right, it is a preacher thing to say. Guess what? I'm a preacher. <laughs> There's a reason why every time people get stressed out in the Bible, they go to God in prayer. And I want to explore that because while friends can be helpful, while friends can help you process things, the only way to eliminate stress is not by going to friends. You need friends. We need friends. Listen, I have parents in my life who, when my kids are just going nuts, I go to two or three parents and I ask them questions. What did you do when your kids went nuts? Because I know your kids and they're pretty bad. No, no, your kids are pretty good and I want my kids to be like your kids. So what did you do? And they help me out. But ultimately, God is the only one who can eliminate stress. God is an essential part of Daniel's success. Remember in the dream, he goes to God with his friends. They pray all night long, not for 10 minutes, not even for an hour. They pray all night long. They pray until God gives them an answer. And your objection is is probably something like this. Listen, I appreciate the helpful go to your friends thing. That's good. 
Maybe you're not a Jesus person in here today, and you're saying, you know what? I like the friends thing. That makes sense. Go to colleagues. I get it. I'm going to take that home. Listen, if that's all you get, great. That will help you with your stress. But I can tell you this will eliminate your stress. But your objection is this. Why on earth should I pray? Other than the fact that you've got to pray just to make it today, according to the good Reverend M.C. Hammer. Thank you very much. Love that guy. Theologian. Why pray? Why pray? Is he even here? Does God even hear us? Why should we pray? Well, there was a guy who wrote the majority of the New Testament called Paul. And Paul was sitting in prison one day, and he wrote a letter to a church. And the letter's called Philippians. And in Philippians chapter 4, he tells us why we should pray instead of stressing out. Here's what he says. Do not be anxious about anything. Where that word anxious is, you can circle it and you can write the word stress next to it. Because stress brings about anxiety. Do not be stressed about anything, but instead of that, instead of being stressed out, you can choose to be stressed out, Paul says, or you can choose to do what I'm going to say next. Choose to be stressed out, or you can choose in every situation by prayer and petition, by asking God, with thanksgiving, you can choose to present your request to God. We can choose to be stressed out, or we can choose to give our request to God. And here's the promise, and the peace of God which transcends, which goes beyond all understanding, all situations, all circumstances, will, and I want you to circle that word, will, underline that word, put a star on it, do whatever you got to do, will, it's a promise, will guard your heart and will guard your mind in Christ Jesus. My son just turned two last week, and, and it's terrific, terrific twos, I love it. Two means, among other things, uh, that sometimes, like in Target this last weekend, sometimes he will just choose to scream for no particular reason. And I can't figure it out. I didn't do anything to him. I was watching. His sister did not pinch him on the thigh. He just screamed for no reason. And when he started screaming, it stressed me out. Why did it stress me out? Because I had no control. Because my son at that moment had taken control, and I needed to take it back. Why do we get stressed out? One of the reasons we get stressed out is because we feel out of control. That's why you feel stressed out. Work is out of control. Home is out of control. Money is out of control. Time is out of control. I just feel, I feel out of control, and so I get stressed out. Another reason we get stressed out is we feel like we just cannot get it all done. I've got too much to do in 24 hours to actually do it in 24 hours. And the third reason we feel stressed out is because we feel incompetent. We feel like idiots. When my son was freaking out, and I think I'm a decent parent, but when he was freaking out, I felt incompetent to figure it out. Now, we figured it out. He did get a little on the thigh. Then he felt better. It was a miracle. <laughs> Listen, you might not agree with swatting. That's okay. Jesus still loves you. Send me your emails. I'll be ready. That's why we get stressed out, out of control, can't get it done. I feel incompetent. Here's why we pray. We pray because praying reminds us that we are not in control. God is in control. You're stressed out because you feel out of control. Here's why you feel out of control. Because you're not in control. You're not in control. God is in control. 
Verse 6 says, instead of being anxious, instead of stressing out about what you cannot control, instead, in every situation, pray, be thankful, and give your request to God. Why do we ask people for things? Because we think they can answer. That's why we ask people for things. We believe God has the answer. We are not in control. God is in control. I've talked about this quite a bit. We're on this house hunting journey, and it's been 11 months now. We've put in 10 different offers on houses. We've prayed and prayed and prayed. We've been rejected 10 different times. We've been renting a house that at the end of February was, had been sold to someone else. So they were moving in. We had to move out. We had nowhere to go as of Valentine's Day. It was stressful. We put in a bunch of rental applications. They all got rejected. We didn't know what we were going to do. But throughout the process, we decided about, 11, about nine months ago when things didn't seem to be going the way we wanted them to, we decided, you know what? Instead of stressing out about this, we are going to pray and trust God. And so I said to Maria, Maria, let's just pray instead of freaking out. Let's pray and let's do what we can do. And then privately when I was praying, I said, God, I told Maria you would answer, so please do not let me down. <laughs> Don't, you know, I'm trusting you here. And so two weeks before we had to move out, I put a nutshell blurb in, and someone from the church came and said, hey, we have a house for you that you can rent. And we hadn't looked in Petaluma at all because Petaluma's, man, it's too nice down here. You guys, too expensive for us, man. Too rich for my blood. They had a house on the west side of Petaluma, three-bedroom house. They said, you can rent it. They gave us a, a good deal so we actually could rent it, and we are now living in a, a better house than we could ever have imagined. It's got a yard for the kids. They have their own room. Our neighbors, someone brought us flowers the first night we were there from their garden. It's just incredible. The relationships we're already forming are amazing. I was outside actually gardening for the first time since we had mar- got married because I have dirt around my house now. <laughs> I don't live in an apartment complex. We were not in control, and the quicker we realized that, the less stress we had. Or else we could have spent 10 months being stressed out how to find somewhere to live. But we weren't stressed out because God was in control. And here's the great thing about God. He always has a better plan than you have. It's not always the plan you have. It's just always better than the plan you have. So we pray because God's in control. We pray because God promises us wisdom through his Holy Spirit. Daniel did not say to his friends, hey, let's have a brainstorming session. Let's get together and reason all the things the king might have dreamed about. We know here's the king's situation. No, he said, let's get together and let's pray. Jesus says, my Holy Spirit will live inside of you, and the spirit that lives inside of you is the spirit of truth that leads you to truth. When we pray, we open the door for God's spirit to give us supernatural insight and wisdom into the thing that's stressing us out. And we pray because when we pray, God promises to guard our hearts and our minds. Remember I said that stress is primarily internal, which means it attacks you in two places. It attacks you in your brain, when you think about all the things that you can't get done, and it attacks you in your heart, when you have that pit in your stomach because of everything you have to do. When you have that overarching sense of dread and you can't even put words to it, stress attacks our heart and our mind. And Jesus says, when you pray, God says, when you pray, I will guard your heart and I will guard your mind. It's a promise. It's a promise. But if we want to take hold of God's promise, we have to take hold of God's presence. And His presence comes through prayer. 
We can't have the promise of peace without the presence that God gives to us. And so we have two choices now as we leave this morning. Stress management. Keep doing it the way we've always done it. Hope that the stress doesn't leak out too bad. Or stress elimination through prayer. If you want to eliminate stress, I want you to pull out, there's a a memory verse card in your programs. Pull it out. It says, take this job and love it on the front. It has Philippians 4, 6, and 7 on the back. I want you to memorize that verse if you want to eliminate stress. I know two whole verses of the Bible. Some of you are saying, I can't memorize it. Listen, I know you can memorize it, and here's how I know you can memorize it. I'm going to need your help, and for those of you who are younger, I'm really going to need your help. I'm going to say a sentence, and I need you to say it back to me with as much uh, of your inner pop star as you can, okay? Seriously, I need you to help me out, or I'm going to look really dumb, and this point is not going to work, okay? So help me out, okay? And when I point at you, you need to finish what I'm going to say. Hey, I just met you, and this is crazy. So here's my number. So call me maybe. maybe. Yeah. Hey, I just met you. That song is like on all the time, okay? Listen, if you can memorize a ridiculous pop song, you can memorize a Bible verse. Some of you are, are right now, you're just saying to myself, before you came into my life, I missed you so bad. I know, like, that's just the only thing you're going to remember today. That's the power of memorization. Here's what will happen. You memorize that Bible verse, and next time you're stressed out, God's going to bring it to your mind. Be anxious in nothing, but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which passes understanding, transcends understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. And know what you'll do then? You will pray. And God promises he will eliminate your stress. So if you want stress elimination, three times a day for seven days, I want you to read that verse. It could be breakfast, lunch, and dinner. When you wake up, when you go to bed, when you take a walk, I don't care. Three times a day, I want you to read that verse, put it somewhere where you'll see it, and memorize it. And allow God's presence to come into your life as you come before him in prayer. Let him eliminate your stress. Imagine what would happen if we decided to stop trying to manage stress and started deciding to eliminate stress. Our marriages would get better. We'd be more present with our kids. School would feel like a joy and not attention. Work would be something we were excited about. Why? Because we're not in control. God's in control and God has a plan. Because God gave us his Holy Spirit and gives us insight into the world. And because God promises to guard our hearts when things get stressful and guard our minds when things get stressful. Pull out the connect cards uh, that you've got. It says start here on one side. You're going to want to fill that out. But on the back, I want you to look at that. It says, I want to apply today's teaching. And I really, I do, I cannot encourage you enough. This will change your marriage because it will change your relationship with God. Memorize Philippians 4, 6, and 7. I did it years ago. It's changed the way I view life. And then pray when you get stressed out. If you're going to do that, mark on your Connect card under Apply Today's Teaching. Mark that you're going to memorize it and do it. We have you mark it because studies show that if you mark it, you're more likely to do it. And I want you to do it, so mark it. And I want to talk to you for a second. I said we cannot have the promises of God without the presence of God. If you're here today and you've never experienced the presence of God by entering into a relationship with him through Jesus Christ, you do not get the promises of God's peace. You do not get the promises of God's joy. You do not get the promises of God's presence. But I want to tell you this. God has opened the door for you to come and experience his promises by experiencing his presence. And you do it by entering into a relationship with Jesus Christ. 
It's the only way to experience God's presence in your life. If you've never done that, I'm going to pray in just a second. You can commit your life to Christ today. You can invite him to come and fill you with his Holy Spirit, his presence to literally come inside of you and experience the life that he offers to you. If you're ready to make that decision, you can do that today. Maybe you're far away from God and you need to recommit yourself to him. If you're ready to make that decision, you can pray this prayer with us too. So would you join me as we pray? Lord, thank you so much for today. Thank you that you offer something better than what we can do on our own. On our own, all we can do is is stress management. Some of us are better at it than others, but we all hate it. And on our own, that's all we can do. But you offer something so much better, God. You offer stress elimination, regardless of the situation. You promise to guard our hearts and guard our minds and to give us insight because you are in control, God. And we stand on that truth today. Would you give us the courage to live that out through prayer, just like Daniel and his friends did so many years ago? So that when work gets stressful, when the going gets tough, the tough get praying. And if you're here today as we continue to pray and you've never experienced the presence of God like I was talking about, you can pray a prayer today and it's simply a prayer of decision where you you commit your life over to God. If you're ready to do that, you can pray this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, today I want to have a relationship with you. Today I say yes to you, God. Today I commit my life to you because I, I want your presence to come and fill me. Because I want to be forgiven of my sins, Lord. And I know that comes through you, through you dying on the cross and through you being raised from the dead. So would you come, God? Would you forgive me of my sins? Would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? Lord, I want the presence that you offer and the peace that you offer. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Man, man, if you made that decision today, praise God. That is so awesome. Your life will change forever because God's presence is living in you. He's changing you. You can have that today. If you made that decision, mark that on your card because I want to know about it because we want to give you some tools to help you out this week. We're going to move into a time where we receive the offering. Uh, So if you came prepared to give, you can get your tithes and offerings ready and you can put them right inside the envelope in your program. Some baskets are going to be passed in a second. You can drop them in the basket. Uh, While you're doing that, you're also going to want to finish filling out that Connect card. Put your prayer requests on there, your praises on there. Anything you want to get plugged into, I want you to put that on there. I want to talk about something that I'm really excited about. Two weeks from today, we are going to be having a baptism service. It's Palm Sunday. It's the Sunday before Easter. It's going to be an amazing time. Listen, if you've never been baptized and you're a follower of Jesus, Jesus says the next thing to do after becoming a follower of him is to get baptized baptized. And we're going to give everyone a chance to do that. And we've had so many people make decisions for God in the past four months that I'm just expecting that this is going to be a huge time of celebration, a huge baptism service. So if you've never been baptized and you want information about it or you want to sign up for it, here's what I want you to do. There's nowhere to mark it on your card. So at the bottom under the prayer request or on the prayer request, just write baptism in big letters. Just write baptism right across there in big letters. We'll contact you this week. So go ahead and do that. Uh, We're going to be praying for the offering. We're also going to pray for a different church in the area like we do each week. We're going to pray for St. John's Anglican Church, specifically that they would be able to find a location because they have nowhere to meet right now. They're meeting at a community center, but they'd like to find a permanent location. So we're going to pray God's blessing over them that they would be able to do that. Would you join me as we pray? Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for my friends. 
Would you please be moving uh, in this church, drawing people to yourself? Thank you for the ways that you are calling us to freedom and to experience the life you have for us. Would you take these tithes and offerings, would you use them to bless people in incredible ways, to bless the city as they come to experience your love? We pray for St. John's Anglican, Pastor David, and the whole crew over there, that you would uh, give them favor with the city, help them to find a permanent place to meet. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. While those baskets are passed, I just want to highlight one more thing. Since we're talking about prayer, uh, a week from today, we have two different teams leaving to do house-building trips in Mexico. They're going to leave early in the morning, and we're so excited about that. We had so many people get excited about these missions trips uh, when we did our Servolution series last summer, that instead of having one trip to Mexico, now we have three trips to Mexico. So two different house-build trips that leave this Sunday, and then an orphanage trip that's going in May. It's going to be very exciting, and here's what I'd like you to do. Would you be praying this week for the teams that God would prepare their hearts and get them ready? Uh, would you be praying for them on Sunday for safe travels? And throughout uh, the following week, that they would really be able to experience all that God has. That would be a fantastic thing. Uh, With that, why don't we stand up and we'll close with one more worship song. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.